Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Happy New Year. You know, it's so sad to see 2020 go. It's just a very memorable year. Well, we're in 2021. None of us thought that we would actually make it, but we've made it here. And so what we want to talk about is getting back on track for this year, because with all the disruptions that have taken place, uh, there is really a a, a lot of life-changing events that could get us off normal track, you know, hopefully that track was good. I also want to say thank you if you're visiting with us today. It's really nice to have you. Thanks for considering us, especially those of you who are joining us online. I I pray that God blesses you with your time with us. This week on New Year's Day, I was speaking with some members of my family. We talked about goals for the new year. And it's really important to set those goals. Uh, set out resolutions, but we know that they're not always met that easy. I read an article by uh, Muriel Zaman, and she said this, the idea of setting a New Year's resolution for 2021 strikes me as exhausting. After the year that thoroughly upended so many people's lives, most typical resolutions to exercise more, to get organized, to travel more, to budget better, quit jeweling, somehow seems inappropriate. We're all just trying to survive. Please don't talk to me about personal goals, she says. In the aftermath of the past 12 months, setting such goals feels futile. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that planning ahead is for suckers. If we're among the luckier ones, the disruption of 2020 was canceled trips, you know, postponed weddings, lost days spent, an interminable lockdown. But for others, that disruption took shape of with life-threatening illness financial insecurity, racial violence, and death. With life's uncertainties thrown into sharp relief, why would I spend a second planning for a better 2021? I think a lot of people feel that way about this year. Is this year a new beginning, or is it just an extension of 2020? A lot of us have thought that way, haven't we? Now, the five most popular New Year's resolutions, and I'm sure we've all made these, first of all, is to exercise and to get into shape. Yeah, uh, 19% say that. Uh, The next group is diet and losing weight, okay? Others to save money or eat healthier or sometimes better health self-care. But I think about Christians, And what are some of the typical resolutions that we make, that we like, right? Typical resolution for a Christian would be, raise your hand if if you've had this resolution before. Read the Bible through the year, in one year. Okay, how many of you have actually done it? 
hey, look, don't lie in church. This is just, if you're going to lie, lie at, you know, at home or, you know, online. But Okay, here's another one. Be consistent with my daily devotions. How many of you said that? How, you know me? I'm very consistent. I'm inconsistent, but I'm very consistent at it. We say we need to pray more. Here, or here's a good one. This year, I'm going to do a prayer journal, right? Serve at the local church or serve others in need. But here's the truth about it all. On average, 80% of New Year's resolutions fall, fail by the second week of February. 80% fail by the second week of February. But good habits, especially those that are life-changing, that are typical from our normal lifestyle, those are harder to achieve. But it's stated that if you could do this, it takes about approximately 66 days for a habit to become automatic. So what do we think about? What are we, what are we going to do moving on into 2021? And what changes do we need to make in our lives that will build us up and build the kingdom of God up? And my, my two cents today, I think we find it in God's word, is that we do this by getting back to the basics of study, meditation, prayer, service, and fellowship. Study, meditation, prayer, service, and fellowship. If you're visiting with us, we have this uh, Sunday affirmation that we say before the sermon. You're welcome to join in with us. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all he has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, he strengthens me. By his will, he's transforming me. I am his workmanship, his unique work of art, and may his will be done in me today, and I receive it by faith. And all the people said, in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, you're expected to say amen. <laughs> I'm starting out on a good foot. Okay. There were disruptions in 2020, weren't there? And they've affected almost every area of our lives. There's been feelings of hopelessness and uncertainty, not knowing what to do, so we turn to familiar ways, maybe not godly ways, of coping. We have obsess about what someone said to us that day. We worry about things that we can't change, and we avoid doing things that we can change, right? And we hide away, and this is a big one, hiding away and insulate ourselves from the world. It's common right now, and we find ourselves directionless, disoriented, and with no hope of making it out. That has been many of the stories I have heard throughout this year, and from time to time have agreed with it myself. But there's good hope, okay? Here's why. Because Scripture can take us back. Scripture can get us back on center, because here's why. Humans haven't changed since the time of the Bible. Well, you know, <clears throat> the Bible's not that relevant anymore. People were different back then. They were all superstitious, scared of bushes, but we're more advanced. Listen, 
Their clothes were different. Maybe their language was different. Their demeanor, their, their culture might have had a different expression, but they were human beings just like you and me. And if it was relevant for them then, it's relevant for us today. And that's why we have to go back to Scripture. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 14, I think sets the pace for what we need to experience. He said, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You see, here's, here's a truth. Here's a key. A life that is nourished by the words of God is a life that is filled with delight and joy as you meditate on God's letter to you. Let me say that again. A life that is nourished by the words of God is a life filled with delight and joy as you meditate on God's letters to you. You see, our inner life needs input. And this is why we're going back to the basics here today. Let me just back up a second. You say, well, Dave, there's a lot more important issues going on in the world, right? Don't we know all of this stuff? Listen, we had a presidential, sitting president impeachment. We had uh, the announcement of a virus. We had began shutdowns in the United States. And then we had the death of uh, George, George Floyd and all of the the disruption and tension within the nation, the, the schools being disrupted, businesses being closed, a presidential election, come on. If, if your life hasn't been disrupted, you're not paying attention. And, and so for us, the basics of centering ourselves back on God is so important because that's the only way you prepare for changes in real time. If, it's, if, if the target is continually moving, if things are changing and you're required to be flexible, it is the principles that you live by that will carry you through in the midst of various terrain and various challenging environments. That's, that's the truth that will get you through because God doesn't change. Our inner life needs input Instruction, inspiration, correction, and grace from God. Second Timothy, verse three, chapter verse chapter three, verse sixteen says, "All Scripture is God breathed, and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good." What do we mean by input? Well, input is connection. When you have a connection with somebody, they can give you input. So if someone knows you well, a friend knows you well, your spouse, uh, and, and they know that maybe there's something going wrong with your life, they're able to give you input that is valuable because they know you. We all need input from God, and that comes in the form of connection to God and studying His Word. There's also instruction and correction. We all need instruction and correction because this leads to true discipleship in Jesus, knowledge and wisdom. 
Now, not only that we need, but we need inspiration. Inspiration lifts us to a higher place. To hope and faith and trusting in the Lord. You know, if everything's just humdrum and everything is just normalized, wow, that was loud. We never reach up to something that's higher. But when someone can point out, hey, you know, we could go there. Or, hey, come on up here. Come on up here. There, there's a sense that you can make it and you can go higher. You can do more and achieve more than you thought. And life needs that inspiration. And God and his word gives us that inspiration. But it all comes wrapped in grace. It's not a form of perfection that says, well, you need to achieve this in order to garner my approval, my love for you. Grace says, come on, I'll help you, and we can do it together. J.I. Packer, that great theologian, author, his most famous book, Knowing God, these words ring true, though written back in 1973. He says, the world becomes a strange, mad painful place. And life in it is disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know God. Disregard the study of God and you'll sentence yourself to stumble through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way, you can waste your whole life. You see, I'd like to speak to you, those of you who are not just believers here, but maybe you're watching online or you're visiting and you say, I don't have a faith in the Lord. This is not a you or I thing. This is a statement that says, look, I've experienced this. I know the value of studying his word. This is not just a religious pretense. This is actual life. And these words written by thousands and thousands of hearts and lives, come to us through experience and experiencing God's Word. All right, let's take some steps to getting back to basics. How do we do it? Well, first of all, you have to realize that a goal or a resolution really is, should be seen as engaging a process. Engaging a process, not just here's the goal, I'm going to achieve it and I'm going to will through it. No, you're engaging a process. First step, get rid of distractions. There are a lot of distractions right now. You see, there are a lot of things that distract us from the best things about God, the good and the best. And God wants us to experience the good and the best, not the fake or the false. That's not his will. Listen. Right now, let me just talk to you about a few things that are very distracting. Politics, they're the most important thing in the world. Now, everybody's silent here. There's a lot of different beliefs about that. But we're head deep in it, aren't we? This whole nation, every second of every day, and then we have engagement in the blame game for the coronavirus. It's, a, it's the government's fault. They're doing everything wrong. 
And then others will say, no, it's those people who don't care for the lives of other people. And the fight just goes on and on and on and on and on. Listen, looking to blame somebody will never make things right. Searching for blame and engaging in that is one of the greatest distractions. Here's why. Because only time will bear the truth about these matters. That's why there's so much discussion right now. And if you think that you have the only truth and you're the only one who knows it and your job is to engage in some type of blame, that is futile. Because right now, these things are just distractions that keep us moving forward in our faith. Then there's personal distractions. Not just the things that are around us, but the personal distractions like, what do people think about me? I wonder, I don't think anybody thinks about you. I don't know. I don't think they think about me. Or trying to please others. That's always fun. Judging yourself by other people and their values. Needing to be validated by friends. Question, here's, here's my question for you with that. Whose opinion matters most? Does it matter that, whose opinion matters most in your life? Is it the current popular roar of the crowd? Or is it the very God who made you and loved you and gave himself for you? Because you will look for the, and I will look for the approval of those that have the greatest influence over our lives. And make no mistake, the people or ideas you admire the most will have the greatest power and influence over your life. And that is why Scripture is so important. You have to have God's opinion about things because it's timeless and it's for humans. It's timeless and it's for humans. And it can help. It helps so many people in the past navigate through treacherous times. And why wouldn't it help you and I now? Why would it disappoint us? Second step. Run your own race with endurance. Focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. But here's the point. You have to look in the direction that you want to go. You have to pay attention to that. You see, where we look will determine where we go. And so what are you looking to? Who are you looking to? If you're looking for God to build your life like somebody else, it's not going to work. God made you. He made you unique. And he's going to transform you into the image that he desires for you. Transforming us continually into the image of himself. Jesus. Listen. If we focus on the Lord The Lord will help us get there. But here's the point. Change is not just about willpower. Change is unique. Change comes through faith, and faith is living. It's not just a concept. It's not just a precept. Faith is living. It's an organism. It's growing. And our faith has to grow. And with growth, growth takes time. 
Growth takes water. Growth takes food. It needs sunlight in the, in the plant world. But growth is the necessary, the natural process. I don't know about you, but in my early 20s, I just really loved bonsai plants. You, you guys know what bonsais are? They're those little expensive plants that you buy that die about three weeks later. I loved them. I, I have to admit, you know, if you're fans of the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi with his cool bonsais, I was like, that could be me. I could be that guy. So after six or so of them died, I realized that I don't think they're for me. But when I thought about growth, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, that you do with the bonsai is you try to stunt the growth by the size of the pot that you put it in and you trim it in certain ways that it becomes a mature tree, but it, it doesn't really grow outwardly. You know, that, that is not the point of God for our life. God wants us to grow, but it's a process. By the way, I solved the problem. Eventually, I stopped buying bonsais, and I bought a cactus. <laughs> and surprisingly enough, this is true, it, it only took three, three and a half years to kill it, but I, it, was, it was quite a feat for me. <clears throat> okay, we need to go back to the basics, studying the Word, but we need to go back to prayer. From the beginning, mankind has been in a conversation with God. Mankind has been in a conversation with God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 8 says, therefore I want every men, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. You see, this verse highlights that the chaos of humanity and what it's experienced in the contrast of people turning their attention to God in holy, devoted prayer. It's not with a clenched fist. It's not with some type of ill motivation. God, why aren't you fixing this for me? No, not at all. What it is, is God, my hands are open, and I'm ready to receive what you have for me in humility. But prayer is an essential part of our growth and nurture of our spiritual life. Prayer begins, brings us into the conversation with God. It's the conversation that God has already been having with this world from the beginning. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the garden. He spoke to them. And God has been speaking to humanity. God is speaking personally to people around the world today, but God is speaking to the world. But unless we understand prayer and we, we seek his presence and begin to live by that, we'll never hear it. We'll never understand it. You don't, under, you don't understand what you don't seek. Kenneth Boa, one of my favorite devotional writers who has blessed so many through the years, his handbooks on prayer have been so important to me. He penned these words. He said, Spiritual growth is impossible apart from the practice of prayer, just as the key to quality relationships with other people is time spent in communication. 
So the key to growth in growing in relationship with the personal God of heaven is in earth is time invested in speaking to him in prayer and listening to him through his spirit and his word. Listen, it's not surprising that when most people spend a minimal amount of time in the discipline of study or the discipline of prayer, just a minimal amount of time, they fail to develop intimacy with the one for whom they were created. See, here, here's, here's the problem. When it comes to prayer, if, if our idea is, well, I need to pray more, and so I'm going to pray, I'm going to commit to pray 20 minutes a day, and so you find yourself praying five minutes a day, and then you find yourself skipping a day, and then it becomes a chore, it's like totally missing out. It's like missing out on everything. Why? Because prayer is like a gift. You know, you have friends you want to talk to, and you need to talk to them and spend time with them. Prayer is supposed to be that restful place where you can, oh, I'm finally alone with God. What a relief. Prayer brings that type of nourishment. I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, I hated nap time. Anybody go through that? You're a little kid. Your parents are like, all right, get in your room. It's time to take a nap. <laughs> you just throw a fit. No, not a nap. But now, I would love for someone to force me to take a nap. You know, you seem a little grumpy. Why don't you take a nap? Yes, you're right. I should do that. Naps for me are just like heaven. I mean, the only thing better than a nap is waking up from a nap and having that, remembering that you have that ice cream and that piece of pie waiting for you in the fridge. <laughs> Sunday afternoons for me are just the best. You know, you get home, you know the food's coming, and the food, it doesn't really matter what it is, it's just a catalyst to get you there, do the nap. And then you wake up and you realize, oh, there's more, it's just the best. But it's a matter of maturity. As you get older, you know, realize that I need a nap. I need a rest. As you mature in Christ, you realize that I need to pray. I need to be in the presence of my Lord because prayer strengthens my inner life. It's needed daily. It's needed hourly. Life and kingdom work is not easy. But Jesus has a treasure house of much needed nourishment and rest for his weary servants in prayer. <clears throat> prayer is something to look forward to, not to avoid. Prayer brings us into God's presence, and that brings us joy. R.A. Torrey, famous uh, theologian as well as author, is known for his books on prayer, and his book, How to Pray, says this, there's no greater joy on earth or in heaven then communion with God and prayer in the name of Jesus brings us into that communion with him. The psalmist was surely not speaking only of the future blessedness, but also the present blessedness when he said, in thy presence is fullness of joy. 
Oh, the unutterable joy of those moments when our prayers, we really press into the presence of God. James chapter 4, he says this quite well. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Prayer is a time to listen to God. Prayer is a time to clear out the clutter of your mind. It's time to slow down and enjoy beauty. With all the news and everything that we're exposed to, there's this sense that we're being bombarded with everything that is bad continually. But the truth of the matter is, is that time in the presence of God can open up your eyes and illuminate the beautiful things in this world. There are so many beautiful things that he has set up for us in this world. And we're meant to contemplate and to be quiet in our hearts by that. We have to acknowledge his presence. What did Jesus say when he was told his disciples how to pray? He said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. First, we acknowledge his presence Father, the giver of life, his authority, worship, and to be honored above all. You see, when we come before a real and living God, we come in relationship with him, with humility and with thankfulness and worship and adoration. And then at the core, we have to realize this is at the center of our created purpose, knowing God and having an intimate fellowship with Him. Without spending this critical time with Jesus, we miss out on the very reason that we're created. Well, getting back to basics in Scripture, getting into God's Word, getting back into prayer as practice, as a joy and as a privilege, we also need to get back to a healthy diet. Work is food in Jesus' economy. In John chapter 4, when he is speaking to the woman at the well, his disciples were there with him. And he said to them, my food, he said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, for Jesus, serving meant that this would be real food in his kingdom. You say, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, let's back up to verse 31. He said, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. It's truly human and true to form. His disciples then said to each other, could somebody have brought him to eat? My food, Jesus said, we repeat, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish that work. I oftentimes hear people say, and you hear this as a pastor a lot, I need to be fed. I need to be fed God's word. I need to be fed. And that can mean a lot of different things to different people. But you know what Jesus' response is to I need to be fed? Go to work. Go to work. If 
You think the body was just meant for food and food for the body. You're sadly mistaken. A person who believes in eating only but never doing anything doesn't understand that food has a purpose more than just pleasure. If you cook it right, I mean, if you put enough yellow dust, you know, you know how it is some of your greatest things have yellow dust on them? Okay, I guess all of you are healthy eaters. <laughs> Maybe you're... My, my Cheetos have yellow dust in them, but my lettuce doesn't. Or Doritos or many other great things. That is, is pleasurable. It's enjoyable. But he says, you're given food for a reason that the body would live and produce. That it would do something. And so he says, listen, faith without works is dead. And to say also that, well, <clears throat> I need to be fed. No, if all you do is take in the word, you don't understand that the word is supposed to give you life and to feed you so that you can accomplish what he's called you to do. If you're hungry for God's word, go to work. It'll make the next meal better, no matter what it is. Well, I don't really like that preacher. He doesn't really feed me. Okay, then go to work. If you're hungry enough for God's word and you're expending your energy in his kingdom, you'll eat almost anything, right? That's how people started eating bologna. People were hungry. How do you think anybody ever started eating bologna? I'm hungry. I've been working all day. Here's some bologna. Okay, I'm hungry enough to eat it. I know I'm seeing, seeming stuck up right now. I have some in my fridge. I've learned the value. But not only that, but there's another food item that nourishes us. And that is the food that satisfies, it comes through sharing and serving on the road with Jesus and fulfilling his mission. The disciples, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And they, it became their calling card. Their food in their life, their nourishment, became the, the calling card to serve God in the world. But they did it together, and the numbers grew and grew and grew and have continued to grow all over the world. And I can tell you that there's nothing more wonderful and satisfying than to be with a friend that you serve with in the ministry, that you're serving with God. So precious so powerful. You say, Dave, we've discussed these things before. I know. But if you think that we're going to head into this year, here's the vision. We know what's coming. No, I think we need to stick close to God. I think we need to have the basics in mind because those basics will allow us to get through. If, if we have friends that we're comparing notes with, that you can talk about your life with, that, that share and speak into your life, people that you're serving with and you're so excited and you're praying together, that's food, man. That's good stuff. I mean, that's a supreme pizza with a pitcher of Coke and no calories in it. That's amazing. That's real food. That's the good stuff. Doing God's will with others is such a blessing. 
And then he gives us the promise of the Holy Spirit. Listen, let's kind of start wrapping this together. Spiritual nourishment in our lives involves this constant times of consistent times of solitude and quietness. It includes meditating on the words of the Lord, learning His ways, learning His values, His plans, and consistent times of prayer, engaging the ongoing conversation with God, entering into His presence, being filled by the Holy Spirit, doing this in private as well as in public. And also, this involves the food of an ongoing ministry and serving others, other believers with Jesus. Here's some final thoughts. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Whatever it is that God is leading you to do, whatever it is that he has for you, commit it to the Lord. Commit it to the Lord, and he will establish it. I want to give you one injunction or challenge. And this stems back over 20 years ago. One Sunday morning, I I gave a sermon and I challenged the congregation to give one year to God and see what he would do. And I said, if you give that whole year to God, well, and, and nothing good happens, well, at least you gave it a try. So a fellow in the church, I had a pretty quiet guy, said, hey, can I meet you for lunch? I said, sure, I'd love to. I mean, but, you know, you're paying. That's just kind of the rules. And I say that for future reference just for anybody else out there. It's got to be pretty nice, too. Anyway, just a formality. So we met, and he said, you know, that really touched something in my mind about giving God one year of my life. I've never thought of that as a trial run. I've been a believer for a while, but I I can't say that I've fully engaged him. And so he did, he said, I'm gonna need your help. And so we really started hanging out together and doing ministry together. And we had a great time and he's one of my dearest friends my whole life, still to this day. But I watched him go from very talented person, kind of a quiet, reserved person to someone who's now served God all over the world with various ministries and organizations in disaster relief. <clears throat> he's like the, when there's a hurricane or a, a horrible, devastating event, he's the first guy on the ground and he loves it and he's made for it. But he would have never known had he given himself to it, what God had for him. 
And I say that to you because maybe, you know, you've been serving God or you've been a, a Christian, but you've never said, I'm going to give a whole year to God, and if it doesn't work, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'll just sit back in my pew. You say, Dave, but when I'm not a preacher, I don't play music. Is that the only, that's what happens on Sunday. Have you noticed the world lately? Can you think, can you look around the world and see maybe we could help it? Maybe I could help in some way. Maybe God could use me to help this place. Not judging it, but just noticing there's a, there's a lot of work to do. I challenge you, give one year. And I hope to see great fruit in your life, and I know God will do it. Let's, let's get into this year with perspective. Let, let's stay in the basics and listen to the Lord and let him lead us forward. If you want to fight the government, go ahead. If you want to fight other Christians, go ahead. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Christians fighting other Christians. Really for any reason. But because of politics or anything else. You know, I think it's more important than that. Fighting over where we're, we're going to eat after service. That's more important. We should never be fighting each other. Keep it straight. Move forward. God's going to show us. And we have to be sure of that. If you don't know the Lord, let me just tell you, you can just pray and ask him for forgiveness right now. Say, Lord, I need you. I, I, I need your strength. I ask for your forgiveness. And I want to give my life to you. And I want to see what that year looks like. God will do it for you. If you're watching on the web, God will do it for you. If you're here in this service, God will do it for you. Just mean it in your heart. God knows everything already. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for another year. Lord, may you be glorified in us this year. Help us to make the changes necessary. And may we never forget to enjoy your presence all that you are. Lead us, Lord. Guide us. We trust you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.